0: Jack, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title?
1: No, but I will with your life. so we can win a game. And We're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice.
0: Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. My name is Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, is Kevin McLernan. And we have finally reached the eclipse of the NBA season. We're finally at the long-awaited NBA Finals, uh, Game 1 has already happened, but we did send our predictions in before, like we did before the last round, to each other, so we you know, we weren't cheating or whatever. And we'll get into what our predictions were a little bit later, but Kev, how would you uh, rate your excitement level right now that the Finals is finally upon us?
1: You know, I mean, it's it's kind of what everybody wanted to see, rematch of last year, and yeah, the Cavs are all healthy, um, so... It should be, hopefully, a good and long series to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is what everyone expected. Uh, The NBA playoffs tend to be pretty predictable. It was one versus two in the East, one versus three in the West. And the one seeds are playing each other. Uh, But it did get kind of interesting there in the West, which we'll get into in a few minutes. Uh, But this is what we expected. I think what everyone, including the NBA, wanted, as we said in the last podcast, I mean, LeBron... Steph, definitely, I would say, the two best players in the world in probably everyone's opinion. And right now, the two most popular stars for the NBA. So as, as far as ratings go, it's a home run.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think many people would have complained to see Durant versus LeBron, but right. uh, this is definitely the more popular matchup, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, as long as Cleveland came out of the East, it was a win-win situation. Um, yeah. it, the ratings probably would have been not as good, but they would have still been excellent either way. You're right. Um, but let's just get right into it. Uh, we'll first start by uh, just kind of summarizing what happened in the Eastern Conference, uh, the finals between the Cavaliers and the Raptors. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers got out to a two-game to zero lead. I think a lot of people at that point thought, uh-oh, they might, the Raptors might get swept because those first two games weren't even close. Then Toronto was able to steal two at home. Well, I guess they weren't stolen. They were at home. They got two, two at home by a, a small margin, and then Cleveland blew them out again in Games 5 and, and Game 6.
1: Yeah, I mean, Toronto is just a completely different team, especially in that series, at home. And, I mean, they're going to have an interesting uh, off season. I mean, Biombo had a great series, and uh, he's a free agent, so he's going to get paid somewhere.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, he's always been a pretty solid player, but he really stuck out, I thought. I agree with you. To me, I think it came down to the play of Lowry and DeRozan. We had talked about this, obviously, coming into this series because of they had, they had disappeared at times in the Miami series. Uh, Just running through some of the stats, I mean, game one, 13 for 31 for 26 combined points. Game two, 32 combined points. Game five, 27 combined points. The two games they did win, they combined for 52 points in game three and 67 in game four. Admittedly, they did combine for 55 in game six, but came up short. But for the most part, personally, I think it came down to the play of Lowry and DeRozan because, look, the other players stepped up in some of the games also. But without those two guys... Really, I mean, they just—they can't not score at least forty points in a game and expect to win.
1: Yeah, and another big factor was Jonas Valchunas coming back from his injury. I think he started playing game four, uh, but barely got time. And I mean, that's a—that's a big loss for them, and that's why Biombo uh, was able to stand out so much because of Valchunas' injury.
0: Yeah, obviously, if they had Valchunas throughout the whole series, maybe it could have been a little bit different of a series. Maybe they get game six at home I don't know because they they just looked completely horrible in Cleveland in those three games and they didn't look so hot in the fourth in the fourth in their third game at home uh either but you know I think I was surprised that Toronto won two games in the series I think they should be proud of the season they had obviously they were the two seed they were supposed to get this far but like we said coming into it uh them winning two or three games in this series would have been a heck of an accomplishment I think they had a great season
1: yeah, a good series. I think we both picked the Cavs in five, so went won an extra game than we thought. So, yeah, I mean, overall, pretty good series by Toronto winning the two games.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, if you're a fan of the Raptors, I think you have to be pretty happy with what they did. Uh, just looking at their future, I know you discussed a little bit earlier with Biombo. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. DeMar DeRozan has a player option, which he's, I think, pretty highly expected to opt out of so he can get paid more money, James Johnson unrestricted free agent, Jason Thompson unrestricted free agent, and Louis Scola, also unrestricted free agent. They should work to bring DeRozan back. I know he can't really shoot that well, but you know, they they really have uh, a good flow I think with him on the floor I think this team really works I, I like the roster they have some young guys I mean DeRozan's still pretty young Lowry's not very old um, and some of the other guys that they've they've been leaning on are, are pretty young so if I'm them I try to bring Boyambo back and I think they'll be better next year they're still probably a piece away but this is a core that I think if I'm the GM I would try to keep together
1: yeah, and especially in the East, you're always going to have a chance. I mean, Kyle Lowry may not be as, long as, as young as you think. He is 30 years old. Okay. Um, I mean, it's just, I guess, it took him a little while for his NBA career to get started. Uh, he, I think he started in Houston and just struggled there. I don't know. He started in Memphis and then Houston, I thought. Um, but still, yeah, he, he keeps keep getting better in Toronto. So, if him and and can continue to grow, uh, the team definitely – He's going to be in the East for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I guess I must have thought he was um, – I, I mean, I didn't think he was that young. I, I thought he was 27 or 28. And I think a part of that, like you said, was the slow development because I think this year arguably was his best season in the NBA. So, I mean, even if he is 30, he's still right there in his prime. He won't be much worse, if if at all worse, next year. I mean, he could even be better. A lot of times you might get a little bit slower, but you know, with the playoff experience, you get some savvy – and like I said, they got some younger guys in their roster. But, I mean, like you said, it's the East. So you're always going to be able to be right there. They'll be better next year if they just brought everyone back, I think. This could be a possible landing spot for a free agent also. I mean, I don't think they even need a superstar. I mean, one more solid player. And I think they could legitimately make a run at Cleveland next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, DeRozan is definitely going to come back. So that's not really a concern for them. Uh, you but- think so? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any chance DeRozan leaves. I think he will opt out, like you said, but only to get paid more.
0: Right. Yeah, they, they already have $79 million locked up for next year. Um, I'm not sure if that includes – I'm assuming it does include DeRozan opting in. Um, so that's going to go up. So I don't know how much cap space they'll have. But like I said, I think that they're a good enough team that they could attract somebody decent and, and really make a run at this thing because I, I just – I think they're close. Um, and if, like you said, if DeRozan does stay, I mean, I know there's rumors about him going everywhere, but people like to have fun with that kind of stuff. And I, I believe you because, I, like I said, they just they have they seem to have good chemistry as a team. There's not a lot of fighting and stuff. They seem like they like playing with each other, and it seems to just make sense. And they have some good flow. It's just about, I think Lowry and DeRozan, especially in the playoffs, showing up every night. That's going to be the difference for them, uh, you know, going forward to the next year.
1: Yeah, and I mean. Players definitely want to go to a place like Toronto with all their fan base. I mean, watching those games, you saw how good the crowd was, and they did. They did attract the Demar Garrow last year, got him away from Atlanta. So uh, maybe not a huge big time free agent, um, but maybe somebody along those lines again, which may not put them over the top, but still can make them better.
0: Yeah, I mean, two of those guys though, with with Lowry and and DeRozan playing more consistently. That could be the difference. It depends, obviously, what, what happens in free agency with other teams. But two more guys of that kind of caliber on either end of the floor would make a, a massive difference. Um, so, you know, like you said, the, the fan base is a good point. I mean, they have arguably the best fans in the NBA. I mean, it's probably a little bit of a stretch. But, um, you know, when you when you sell out a stadium and then you put another couple thousand people outside, uh, that says a lot, I think. And they, I mean, they put more people outside – than anyone in the NBA. They have a whole they have a whole party outside. It's, it's pretty intense. So uh, I think it's definitely a hot spot to go. And like I've been saying a bunch of times, you know, with free agency, it's, it doesn't matter if you're New York or L.A. anymore, I don't think. So I, I just think it's about the players you have. And they have a young core, and I think it's going to be a, a destination for some
1: guys in free agency. Um, and this is a team that also has the ninth pick in the draft. So uh, a, a team that finishes that high doesn't usually have such high of a pick. Uh, nine overall, you may not get a contributor right away, but still can add a key piece for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. It's always you know possible that they could trade that to get somebody also, but we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see what happens with them in the offseason. Uh, they're definitely going to be one of the teams we're we'll going to be watching closely because, closely, like I said, I think they're they're pretty close um, to, to getting over the hump, at least in the East, anyway. Um, let's look at the Western Conference. I think this was I mean, to me, pretty shocking. Um, OKC came out and, and, and took game one in Golden State. Golden State responded big time in game two and then dropped two st- straight to go down three to one. I, uh, you know, I stuck with my guns. Uh, whoever I did talk to about my predictions, I told all of them I'm sticking with Golden State. Uh, I thought that, honestly, I thought that they would turn it around a little more than they did. I'm actually surprised that they ended up winning the series the way that they were playing. I thought they would come out and beat Oklahoma City up a couple of times. Um, but they just they got it done. They figured out a way to do it. I just bet on them because they won a lot more games in Oklahoma City. I knew they were the better team. And they just they just figured out a way to, to win the series.
1: Yeah, I mean, heck of a comeback from them. The way Oklahoma City was playing, uh, going into Game 6, I, I thought Oklahoma City was going to win. Um, I mean, I even picked them to win in Game 7, too. They just couldn't get it done. Uh, But, I mean, that just shows how good this Golden State team is and uh, how good they can be even with their backs against the wall.
0: Yeah, honestly, even looking back on the series, and this might be ludicrous, but I think Oklahoma City was the better team in that series. Um, I agree. yeah, Yeah, they just outplayed them almost in every facet of the game. To be perfectly honest, the difference was there was a couple stretches and a couple games where Curry or Thompson just went off and hit a bunch of threes, and Oklahoma City just doesn't have, no one has the three-point firepower to keep up with that. I mean, they out-rebounded them in every game, um, except for game two, which Golden State won, and they tied them in rebounds in game five. That was the difference for Oklahoma City, is just dominating the glass, which which allowed them to do that, but the great equalizer, which is the thing I, I said, which made Golden State invincible, and I, I don't think that... I mean, they haven't lost a series yet, but they're three-point shooting. It's just when they go off like that, it's just they're, I mean, not impossible, but pretty close to
1: impossible to beat. Yeah, and everybody, after game six, with all the turnovers at the end, uh, claiming that Oklahoma City choked, uh, don't forget that, I mean, Clay Thompson went off in that game, and the game wouldn't wanted, wanted have been in, within reach for the Warriors if he didn't play so well in that third quarter and keep them close.
0: Yeah, I mean, he made an NBA record, 11 three-pointers in a game, an NBA playoff record, 11 three-pointers. Uh, him and, him and uh, Steph Curry combined for 72 points in that game. Golden State did a good job rebounding. They stayed within five of the rebounding total of Oklahoma City because um, much of the beginning of the series, they, they were minus about 10 in, in most of the games except for game two. And, you know, it's just – I don't see it as a choke job at all. They weren't supposed to win this series – they made it as close as they could. I mean, they were up 3-1. to one. They just got beat by a better team. And we always look at it, you know, as, oh, it's 3-1. to one. But at the end of the day, it's it, it, it's one game at a time. It's each individual game. You don't win three games uh, in a 48-minute period. You just don't. It's just the, the way that it works. And you can look at it any way you want. I know they were up 3-1. to one, But at the end of the day, to me, the better team won the series. And I know Oklahoma City was probably the better team in this in this particular series. But it's just the firepower of those two guys that's just too much that's overwhelming and that's what makes them so special
1: yeah and i mean the bench really wasn't a factor um in those games a lot i mean that just shows how well curry and thompson played late especially in those final three games uh to win the series and i mean that their defense i mean putting Andre Iguodala on anybody I mean we've seen it against LeBron last year in the finals and we saw him cover Durant Uh, just such a great defender and uh, I mean really comes in handy off that bench
0: yeah and there's a lot of uh, I think for me if there's anything to blame Oklahoma City for I'd say it's late game execution Golden State does a really good job of that usually and a lot of that comes like you just said on the defensive end they make a lot of big plays Iguodala does it a lot for them where they make big time defensive plays um, which sometimes goes unnoticed because you see Curry splash a three at the other end and you kind of sort of forget about the steal that the guy just made or the block. And that's that's a big difference. I know that there were a couple of games where Oklahoma City made a lot of turnovers or took a lot of bad shots. And, and, and it's a credit to Golden State as well because they'll clamp down and play really good defense when it really matters towards the end of games and they seem to execute really well.
1: Yeah, and I mean... Like you said, that just is what makes them so good. You see the flash on the other end, but it's really the the grittiness on the other side of the floor that uh, makes the team so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things a lot of teams struggle with is that they they get the turnover and they get out so fast. It was one of the things... um, We'll get into predictions later, but I'm, I think I'm pulling a little bit for Cleveland in the finals. And one of the things I was screaming at the TV was, you know, you, you have you guys watched the tape? Like, you have to get back. It's not just that they come down on offensive sets. A lot of the times, they play, they get a steal or whatever, they get down the floor and they shoot a three because it's three on two and one of the guys is open. So, you know, I think the, the transition is, is something that you can't underrate with them either. But uh, one thing I do want to talk about before we do move on, it, it, I think it'd be a disservice not to, is, is the kick... That happened in Game Three, Draymond's—I um, don't know what you want to call it—but the kick that that he had in Game Three. Um, maybe you want to give your thoughts on on that.
1: I—I I mean, my opinion that it, it, it was intentional. I, to me, it looks that way. I mean, of course, we can't know. Um, only Draymond knows that, but. And I get that he's claiming that he he wanted to get the call, so he he's exaggerating his movements, But, man, your leg does not pick up speed that much when, when you're up in the air. And uh, I just found it too uh, intentional. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, he didn't get the – I don't think he deserved the, the suspension, which they didn't give it to him. So I, I think it worked out in the end.
0: That's interesting that you say both those things. But let me – I'll ask you about that in a second. But my take on it is this, and I know what excuses or whatever he wants to say. To me, it's no question intentional because only one part of his body accelerates. It's not like multiple body parts accelerate to show an exaggeration or to show that he's trying to get a call. One part of his body accelerates. Um, To me, it was clearly intentional. Listen, I'm not going to call Draymond dirty but he definitely plays along those lines a lot of the time and I don't want to you know call a a make a call based on somebody's reputation but I think you have a little bit more of um there's a little bit more a little bit less doubt I guess when when that kind of play happens to me I think he definitely should have been suspended because I think it was definitely intentional what I would ask you is if you think it's intentional why would he not be suspended
1: I I think it's intentional. I just don't think you can make a suspension based off something that is such borderline call. Okay. I guess just because you can't really tell the intent. Obviously, to us it looks intentional, but to to make a change in a in a playoff in a conference final playoff series like that, obviously it didn't affect it anyway since they wind up losing Game Four with Draymond on the floor, so. I don't know. In my opinion, I don't think they should have suspended him, but definitely, I will not have been upset if they did, since I do think it was intentional.
0: Well, let me ask you this: if if this play occurs in December, does Draymond get suspended?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See that. This is what I have. That's what I have a problem with. I'm not. And I'm not saying this to you because I I understand your point. Your point makes a lot of sense because I think. I, I believe it was intentional, and it's kind of clear to me, but I can see where there's some doubt, and you don't want to suspend somebody uh, if there's some doubt, so I, I understand that, but if that's going to be the case, then it has to be the case throughout the whole season, I think, just just towards the NBA, not to, towards you, I just think that they would have called it a suspension in December. So if that's the case, you have to call it a suspension now. I don't I hate the the application of rules being different based on the situation. So if it's a situation where if it's kind of could have not been intentional, then we're not gonna suspend them. Then don't do that in December. Cause I feel like in December it's just gonna be like a warning to they like, hey we're watching you do what you're doing. But you can do that without suspending somebody. You can send them a letter or make a public statement or something like that. And you could do the same thing in the postseason, but it's just... I think we all know that if it was in December, they would have suspended him. And that really bothers me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. you got to be consistent with your calls. Um, And, I mean, of course, we're just assuming that they would have suspended him. We don't know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, in every sport, very inconsistent uh, with their timing of the calls and all that.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about this in other situations Also, um, just with other individual calls that we've we've discussed, you know, throughout the playoffs, there's been some controversial calls. But you know, and I get it with the suspensions. It's just you think you change the complexion of a series, and obviously, like you said, they lost the next game anyway. So I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I don't know. It's I get it, but it it does bother me a little bit. I guess.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he he hasn't. Uh, done anything yet? Yeah, we saw in Game One a uh, potential dirty play on Delvadova, which I'm glad that his reputation uh, didn't uh, cause that to be anything more, because I don't think uh, his hit on Andre Iguodala was intentional.
0: You, yeah, you're talking about the play where Delvadova went to hit at Iguodala.
1: Yeah, where he punched him.
0: Yeah, well, f- honestly, for me. In that play, I think I would have te- I would have called a technical on Iguodala because he turned around like he was going to swing.
1: Yeah, he actually moved his arm too in a motion and he, he stopped himself.
0: Yeah, and that I I mean I guess he really didn't swing. He did stop himself, but
1: I don't know. Yeah, right I- in Delvadova's face and they probably would call that in the regular season.
0: Right, okay, that's another good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, when I saw that, I was like, wait, they're definitely going to call something there, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to throw the guy out of the game, but you can't have guys reacting that way, um, you know, on a, on a bang-bang play like that. Um, I mean, what was Iguadala thinking? Like, he really thought that Dele Vadova intentionally punched him there? I mean, come on. Why would? Yeah. I, I don't know why that would be your first reaction.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I think he just got upset from getting hit, uh, and then I think it was Shumpert actually came in and kind of settled everybody down and then separated them. Uh, so good job by him. Um, but yeah, it was kind of—I I was a little surprised that nothing got called. Uh, I was thinking maybe a double technical, um, but yeah, it all got away with on there.
0: Okay, well let's let's just uh, let's just head back to the Thunder before we get too far down the uh, NBA Finals uh, rabbit hole. Uh, so for the for the Thunder going forward, obviously the big name is Kevin Durant, unrestricted free agent. Um, also, they have Randy Foy and uh, Nazi Muhammad, are unrestricted free agent. And Dion Waiters is a restricted free agent. I think they're probably going to keep him around. Um, this whole Kevin Durant thing is really confusing for me because when they beat the Spurs, I was like, okay, I think if they go six or seven, he might stay. And then this series went really weird because they went up three to one. And I'm like, okay, they might win this series, and if they do, he's definitely gonna stay. But then they lose three straight to Golden State, and now I'm thinking, Well, I don't know what what is he thinking? He's we they just lost three straight, they were up three one, they really should have advanced, or is he thinking they were on they were up three one at Golden State and maybe if they come back next year they can really take it to the next level? I I, I think it's gonna be a really tough decision for him. That's where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, and, and you can go to a place like Washington and play with a guy like John Wall, but I mean, you're not going to be able to play with anybody as good as Russell Westbrook. I mean, if you're looking to play with another superstar, then you already have him on your team.
0: Yeah, and I know that there was some talk about them possibly meeting up with each other. I don't know if they did that or not. Um Obviously, that's probably going to be something that happens. I find it weird the way that it's handled because it's like they're supposed to be friends allegedly, which I don't buy that. I think that's BS. I don't think they're friends at all, to be honest. And, who,
1: are t- who are you talking about, Westbrook? Dr- yeah,
0: I don't think they are. I think it's. I think that's. I'm not saying they don't like each other, but why is it a thing where they would be where it's in the public? They're going to have a meeting. If they're friends, they're not going to have a business meeting. It's not like they're just going to yeah. casually talk about it when they're in the living room or somewhere, but it's, they're just going to, he's going to hit him up on the text message or a phone call and say, Hey, let's, let's, you know, let's meet up and talk about this. Like to have a meeting sounds like, I don't know, that just sounds totally formal. And if they're friends, I, I don't know why that formality has to be there. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I mean, who knows? That could just be them saying that they're going to have a meeting, uh, just to, uh, not have to answer questions right now yeah. until after their supposed meeting. Um, so, I mean, who knows what that actually means.
0: Right, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've, I've thought he was gone. Um, but then again, I didn't think they would get this far. Um, to go seven mm-hmm. games in the Western Conference Finals a lot further than I thought they would go. I mean, I had them losing to San Antonio, and then I had them losing, I think, probably in five or six. I forget what my exact prediction is now. But so... You know, I, my my perspective obviously has changed a little bit, um, and the way I view this team is different now. I didn't think that this team really had it in them. If they bring everybody back, I think they legitimately could make the next step next year because they're gonna be better. Honestly, Stephen Adams is 23, I think. No, he's not even that old. You think he's 22 or 23? And so yeah, he's pretty young. And and Durant. he
1: only spent one year there.
0: Yeah, Durant is is. 27 Westbrook, something like that also. This team is going to be, everyone almost on their team is going to be better next year. So I think if they just, that's if they don't even get anyone. They just keep everyone around. So honestly, if I'm him, just the way that would happen this season, I think he has to stay. But one of the things they have to figure out is like who's in charge or if it's going to be a two-man, two-headed monster. You guys need to, you know, get your, get to become one cohesive unit that's on the same page. I feel like there's a lot of bickering, and at the end of the day it doesn't matter because they're really good, but I think that if they just got on the same page a little bit more, they could they could be better together.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're the best duo in the NBA, and yes, Clay and Steph are very, very good, but uh, they also have a better team around them uh, than Durant and Westbrook do, and um, I agree, I think he should come back. I think he's going to sign a one-year deal, uh, kind of like what uh, LeBron did, just because he'll be able to get a bigger deal the following year uh, if he signs a one-year deal.
0: Right, and Russell's coming up the year after. Um, Correct. So there was, some, I was talking to my dad about this, and we were trying to figure out what this, this conversation or this meeting was supposed to be about. And we thought maybe Durant was going to go to Westbrook and say, i sign if you sign. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense to do a one-year deal and see what happens again next year. I mean, that would probably be for Durant, if I'm him, I think personally that's what I would do. I'd say, you know what, let me come back one time, one, one more year, and if, if we can get over the hump, then let's both together sign long-term contracts. Because I don't think he's going to sign long-term if Russell doesn't because I think he'd be afraid that Russell would leave and then he's going to be stuck in OKC and who knows. But honestly, as good as these guys are right now, I think they have the potential to be, I, I know it's going to sound crazy, but the best duo of all time. I don't know how many titles they can win, but just as far as a two-man, two-man team, two-man like uh, a duo, just as yeah. far as statistically, I mean, I think statistically they could get to that level.
1: Yeah, uh, I could see that. Um, obviously, it's that's measured in championships often, so they're gonna yeah. have to win at least at least a couple to be up there in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what it would have probably come down to, but. Like I said, I didn't think this team was as good as they are, and I've been proven wrong. And I, I think, from what I've seen this what I've seen this year, this is a team next year that I think is second, first, second, third best team in the NBA going into next season. I mean, obviously it depends on free agency and what other teams do, but just as it looks right now, because like I said, I just think the whole roster is, is going to be better. But
1: yeah, and it's, it's going to be an interesting all season. Uh, I mean, Durant's obviously the biggest free agent, right? And his decision is going to change the NBA.
0: No doubt about it. Um, but let's let's go ahead and talk about the NBA Finals. Obviously, Game 1 has already occurred. Um, it was pretty close throughout. This seems like it could be a pretty epic series. Uh, Cleveland played some great defense. Curry and Thompson really weren't much of a factor for most of the game. Curry hit a couple shots there at the end. LeBron kind of uh, let his teammates do, do a lot of the work, like he's been doing throughout most of the postseason. Um, he was really aggressive. He took most of his shots, I think it was 9 of 11, in the first half in the paint. Then he kind of started to settle in the second half. He's just not as good of a shooter as he was, I don't think. And when you start taking those shots down low earlier in the game, I think sometimes you don't get, you kind of lose your range. I don't know, because he didn't really take many shots from outside. But I think for him, I think he should attack the rim, and I think he should be just a little bit more aggressive as far as scoring in, in this game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they. We saw this in the conference finals, that they rely on the three-pointer a lot, and they shoot it a lot. Uh, So if they're going to want to win these games, they're going to have to uh, shoot better shots. LeBron's going to have to drive and kick a lot, um, and just keep attacking. I mean, like you said, he was really aggressive in the first quarter and first half, uh, but really stuck to settle in the second half.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing, too, too, is like their offense right now, at least in Game 1 for a lot of it, it was like everything seemed to be going through LeBron. And I don't think that's going to work very well. So I think for LeBron, he needs to just keep attacking the rim. And what Because and, when he goes, when he gets the ball, there's a lot of standing around anyway because they're waiting for the defense to collapse and him to kick out. And that's good. But they, they need to do stuff you know by themselves a, a little bit more um, to get some attention off of LeBron, but also to have a better offensive flow. This is a team that has a lot of talent on it. And they have a couple. I mean, Kyrie's can create. And they have some other guys that can get their own shot, and I think people JR was cold, and that hurts too. But I think people need to look for their own their own their own way a little bit more in the next game and going forward in this series. But I guess um, let me give my prediction. My prediction uh, was was Golden State in six. Um, I was tempted, it took me a while to come to this conclusion. Uh, I, I always thought Golden State was going to win, and then after the conference finals with with Golden State getting forced to seven games, I really had some. Some turmoil and I said, you know what, I think Golden State should have woken up. I think that Oklahoma City was the better team in the last series, but they weren't the they're not the better team. I think Golden State played um pretty bad in a lot of those games. And I think they just they just weren't all the way there. They weren't they weren't running on all cylinders. I think I don't want to say they underestimated the Thunder, but I think they are a little high on themselves and how good they are. And I think they still are a little bit. But I think the Thunder series kinda of woke them up and I, I think they'll they'll be ready to play in, in all these games.
1: Well, if the bench continues to play like they did in Game One, this this might be a sweep. I mean, uh, I picked the Cavs in six, though. Um, I just I, I think LeBron has a lot to prove, and I, I think he's going to continue to be aggressive in the next couple games. I think uh, so. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with the six and Cavs in six.
0: Yeah, for me, I, like I've already mentioned, I just think LeBron needs to go attack. I think he should do what he was doing in last year's finals. He doesn't need to shoot that many times. But just be the aggressor, lead the way, like, I'm going to will us. You just come follow behind me. I'm going to will us to victory. He doesn't need to take as many shots, but he really needs to – he just needs to be aggressive to get everyone kind of going, I think. It just seemed that they were they were there. I mean, defensively, they looked brilliant. I mean, they were so good defensively. But offensively, they weren't really inspiring. It just was kind of bland, and LeBron was kind of – doing everything facilitating-wise. I think he should be doing more scoring and maybe, you know, not less facilitating, but they just, everyone needs to kind of get involved, you know, in their offense. But I, I agree with you. I think LeBron does have a lot to prove, and and hopefully he turns it on and tries to take over a little bit.
1: Well, what does it say about Cleveland if they lose in, say, five games? I mean, they, they took the Warriors to six games last year without Kyrie and Kevin Love.
0: I don't think it says a lot. I think the Warriors are one of the best teams of all time. They won seventy-three games this year. The Warriors listen, the Cavs are better than they were last year, yes. Definitely better than they were in the finals, obviously. But I think there's an argument that the Warriors actually have have gotten more improved. Even with the return of Kyrie and Kevin Love, the Warriors are just they're a whole nother animal this year. I mean, they were really good last year. This year's team would beat the last year's team in four or five games. I mean, that's how much better they are. And this is this is a first finals for Kevin Love. Kyrie is just playing in his second game. His game one of the series is only his second game ever in the finals. So it might take him a game or two for those two guys to really get into it. And the rest of the guys have been there. They were there last year. But I think that's gonna have something to do with it. And you got to remember also. Steph was absent for the first two or three games. I forget how long it took him to get into the series. Um, obviously, Iguodala was huge, and he he had a lot to do with them winning. But you know, Steph, you know, basically not even showing up really helped Cleveland last year.
1: Also, yeah. And the most important part about the series is Ander- Anderson Varejao so is going to get a ring no matter who wins, uh, since he played some of the so many games Cleveland before he was traded.
0: So I'm a little confused. I don't know if you know the rule. I was listening to. Uh, the sports radio down here and so it was Monday morning maybe I think I don't know what day it was but one morning after the finals I guess the Western Conference finals and someone made that comment uh, one of the people that was hosting the show and the, the main host of the show said I'm glad you said that because it's not true and I went wait a minute what he says that if Cleveland wins the team has to vote and if they vote to give him a ring he gets a ring but they could vote to not have him get a ring.
1: I've never heard that before.
0: Either have I. But this 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 host of the show, and I, I should have looked it up, but I totally forgot about it until you just said that. This guy, this guy was pretty confident. I'm going to look it up right now. But he was pretty confident that was the rule. And I was shocked because I had never heard of that. I thought it was the rule that if you play X amount of games, you get a ring from the team. So I was of the same impression as you were that no matter what, Varajas gets a ring. But he said that and and so I was I was very confused and it's an interesting point because if Varajas has now here's the thing he's not playing a lot in this series but in game 1 he's already been of issue with with the whole flopping thing. So if you know there's one or two more plays like that and Cleveland loses, I mean, I'm sorry, and Cleveland ends up winning, you know, maybe they're sour enough about that to actually vote him out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I would be surprised if that's actually true. Um, I can't remember the player now. I think uh, it was when the Tigers and the Giants were in the World Series, and a guy was in the same situation where he was a member of both teams, um, and he did get a ring. So I, I I think it's like that in every sport. I think it's a certain percentage of the games or a um, certain percentage of them that you were on the roster.
0: It's so interesting because I, I just Googled it really quick, and I can't get any legitimate sites right now for some, for some reason. There's cleveland.com. Maybe this will help. Um, but half the websites that come up are saying one thing and half are saying the other. I'm going to say that it's probably the voting way if half the sources are saying that because I feel like who, no one would assume that. Like you would just assume what we've assumed. Which is that if you play a certain number of games, you get a ring. Because who has voted somebody to not get a ring that's been over the threshold? Because this situation has never happened before, has it? In basketball,
1: I'm not positive.
0: I think um, I think in basketball, Verajao is the first player ever. Okay, Cleveland.com says it's not true. He does have to be. He has to be voted.
1: Uh, that is, yeah, I've never
0: heard that before. I don't know. Interesting, but anyways, it, it is interesting, and I think I'm with you. He was with Cleveland long enough that I, I I don't think no matter what he does, unless he punches somebody in the face, he'll probably get a, he's probably gonna get voted a ring if the Cavs do win, um, because he was with the team for a while and he he was on a couple runs with them and they didn't even it's not like they traded him to Golden State they traded him to Portland so. He just kind of ended up on Golden State. It's not like they sent him there and now he's helping them. And he's not really – the other thing, too, is he's not like a starter. He's not even an integral part. They play him for like five minutes maybe in a game, you know?
1: But I just think it's – So it's, from what I just read or saw on Sports Illustrated, it looks like Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, decides. Uh, basically makes the ultimate decision.
0: <laughs> so this is interesting. So it's very, very um, – it seems like it's unknown, okay, so so Gilbert does, so maybe the the co-host of the or the the radio host maybe he thought um or maybe his experience with the heat was that whoever owns the heat usually allows the players to vote and then makes the decision. It's weird that the owner would get that choice. I guess that makes more sense than the players because the owner's the one who probably decides which people in the organization get rings, right I mean he's the one who decides if like you know the popcorn vendor so, gets a ring yeah. or not, yeah.
1: So yeah, the owner probably has the ultimate decision on okay, everything. Okay,
0: that makes sense. I but I was surprised. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this because I was shocked when he said that. I couldn't believe that. I was like, I thought it was just a rule. If you play X amount of games or like you said, percentage or whatever, you get a ring if your team wins. And I've always thought that rule was really weird. I don't know how you felt about it, but I get that you're contributing to a championship season. But if you're not on the roster when they're winning the championship, I just because when the playoffs start, your record zero and zero as far as i'm concerned i could see somebody that played was on the roster during the playoffs and then i don't know if you can get cut during the playoffs or not but if that was a situation that happened i could see that giving a guy a ring to a guy but when you in the playoffs start you're 0 and 0 last time i checked right i mean the regular season's yeah. irrelevant i mean the regular season just gets you to the playoffs it doesn't get you a championship ring
1: yeah it's true um, but i mean another argument would be that the team wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't for that player, yeah. they, I mean, Anderson Severgel didn't wasn't the biggest contributor to the team, but he still hopped out,
0: yeah, I, I, there's a couple ways to look at it um, but no, i think I think we've really discovered something here. I think uh I think most people don't know that. Uh, I think most people like us we just kind of thought the other way i I don't know if it's like that in every sport, um uh, but I know it's something that gets talked about a lot' Because usually. There's always players, I mean, almost every single championship team ever has had guys, well, I guess not guys that have contributed enough, but a lot of championship teams very often have guys that have, were on the team for a, you know the requisite amount to get a ring. But it's just not usually the case where a guy you know, had played for both teams in the same season for long enough, which is just, it, it is a wild situation. It really is. I mean, and if you're him, what do you do? You, you, you play with the Warriors now, right? And you win the, and Cleveland wins the ring. Do you accept that ring? Do you want that ring?
1: I, I mean, he's not gonna turn it down. I don't think. You don't think so? But, no, but it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine turning it down, but it might not be his uh, most memorable ring.
0: Yeah. It's just,
1: and I I did did look up the baseball player. I was thinking it was was Benji Molina uh, when the Giants and the Rangers played in the World Series. Okay, but it's happened. It looks about eight times in MLB history. Okay, and they just go by uh, percentage of the games.
0: Okay, is that? And I'm guessing that's automatic because I've never heard anyone say anything other than that in baseball. But then again, I just learned this basketball thing the other day, and it's not it's not a widely known fact.
1: Yeah, I, think, I don't think there's any voting in baseball. They just get it automatically if they played the number of games for the team.
0: Yeah, that seems to make more sense. I don't know. Just to me, personally, I think it, that makes more sense. But but anyway...
1: It would be weird if that's a NBA uh, role that the teams would vote, or the players would vote. I did, that would just be strange. I, would, I think it's the owner.
0: Yeah, that makes more sense. Like I said, I think maybe the Heat might have a tradition, or the owner of the Heat might allow... The players to vote on it or maybe there was a specific player and he said he didn't know what he maybe he didn't know what he wanted to do and that's how the radio host got the idea that the players vote on it it's kind of funny yeah. though that he called out everyone and dead spin and the other radio host and then he gave the rule the wrong way
1: <laughs> yep yeah ironic
0: yes but i'm glad we got to the bottom of it but anyway i mean like i said I, you know this should be a good series i think I think I'm confident in my pick, but I think this could go down as a great, great series. I think LeBron needs to turn it up a little bit. Um, Hopefully, they can just contain Curry and Thompson because obviously, like I said, if those two go off. And then the other thing also is the bench play. It's just this is what it is. You know, every player matters, and it's just it's so impossible to predict what's going to happen game to game. And, you know, you can always be right about. Like for instance, I stuck with the Warriors when they were down 3-1, but I didn't see that what happened in those games happening. So that's what makes it fun. Um, It's unpredictable, and it's just this is the best. I mean, it's just it's basketball at its finest. And you got honestly, I think the the best two teams, definitely the best team in the in the West and the best team in the world in the Warriors. And then the Cavs are they got LeBron, and it's just it's great. It's it's uh, it's going to be a good series, hopefully a long one.
1: Yeah, well, let's hope for close games. Like you said, game one uh, was close. I think the Cavs took the lead maybe uh, like 63-62. Um, but then the Warriors kind of opened up a lot uh, in the fourth quarter. It wasn't as as close as I was hoping it was going to be.
0: All right, so I, I have Golden State in six. You have Cleveland in six. I like how different our picks are. It should be, it should be good to see what, what happens in, in this one. Um, but bef- before we sign off here, I think uh we want to talk a little little bit about the Sixers, who have been involved in a lot of trade rumors um maybe you want to go ahead and, and discuss which trade rumors yeah. i guess are happening
1: the teams come out or i guess the team hasn't officially come out and said that they're shopping uh or receiving calls for new orleans noel and jaleel okafor uh which to me basically says that they are going to draft ben simmons um and they have too many big men um I don't know if that's true, but it just, to me, saying that you're going to trade one of those guys implies that you're going to draft uh, Ben Simmons, the power forward over the small forward, and Brandon Ingram.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there's a there's a, I, I believe the whole the Sixers want Ben Simmons thing more than I believe these trade rumors. The stuff with Noel just started, so I don't know how, I'm not going to say it's not true, but I don't know how like legitimate that is the stuff with jalil i really kind of believe because um, that's been going on for like a long time and it's the same team it's not J- just jalil generally like it's been a conversation with the celtics for like a long time there was a the whole trade deadline business and i'm sure they've been talking about this um, i don't know what the rules are but i'm sure it's been they've been going back and forth on this
1: for a while the problem is they can they can trade right now every team that's out of the playoffs out of contention, it can trade currently.
0: Oh, really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought the season had to be over. So, okay, so they can make a trade right now. Okay, that's that's interesting. I think I think what's going to happen, though, is I think the teams are going to wait, not till draft night, but I think a little bit closer to the draft because as sold as the Sixers might be on Ben Simmons, they're definitely going to be working out some other guys, um, regardless if they're going to trade for the third pick or not. But they just want to make sure – you know, obviously, they're going to do their due diligence, and they're not. I don't think they'll make any moves until they're sure about what they want to do for the future. Um, like I said before, I think, I think we discussed this. I, I I think the trading Jalil for the third pick is, is a downgrade. Um, I think you get less in return for that. Um, the Noel trade, I mean, depending on who's involved, I I don't really mind it. Um, but, like, you, you brought up some good points about Noel's future. And it's just – that's the that's the thing. I mean, I don't know why we can't just draft Simmons if we're going to draft Simmons and then just – let's just see what we have. Let's just see if it will work. I mean, I don't know why we have to rush to to trade players and, and all that right now.
1: Well, I mean, the way they're looking at it is they, they want to develop all the guys, but they're just not going to have the time in the games to develop all of them. So you already have Embiid, Okafor, and uh, Nerlens on the team. Dario's coming over and then Ben Simmons. They have five young big guys. Uh, Simmons could possibly play the three, but I mean, I just think that they are worried about developing them all with game time.
0: Well, here's the thing. I guess the difference really lies in what position they think people are going to be playing. Because yeah. if they think that Saric and Simmons are both threes, and Nerlens and Joel are fours, and Ja is a five, or Joel is a four-five, then uh, to me, there's no issue. Because everyone can play 25 or 30 minutes a game. But if that's not how they feel, and they feel that Saric is a small forward, and then Simmons is a four, and Joel is a five, and Ja is a five, that's a problem. Because you can't have Joel and Ja and both be playing only the five. And I've already expressed how I feel about Joel. I think he should be playing four. But uh, they've been seeing him play more than I have, so I don't know. If that's the case, then, yeah, you got to move somebody. I Then then I would agree more with it. But this is the problem with the whole thing is that there's so much speculation, and we haven't seen Joel play. Simmons isn't obviously even in the NBA yet. And so we don't know what positions these guys are going to be playing. So it's it's really it's speculative, and we, we can't get inside the mind of the Sixers organization. So I guess my thinking is that if they're gonna make these trades, then it better be because they think Joel can only play five, and they think that Simmons should be playing four. Because otherwise, to me, it doesn't make
1: sense. And I mean, Noel came out I guess a couple of weeks ago and saying that he wants to be a five, which I mean that kind of doesn't help his case for starting at five. Because I mean, if Joel and Beat is healthy. I think he's definitely the better prospect over New Orleans
0: oh there's no doubt about that, I mean like I've said before you can maybe you can play Joel at four, but if Noel wants to be a starter, he's gonna have to start at four because either'cause because either jaw's gone and Joel's gonna slide down to five, well I guess he could I guess if Jaw's gone, Joel could play four maybe and he could play five i I guess I could see that. It,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. There's no way. I don't think they trade both of them. Uh, I think once they make a trade for, um, send one of them gone, uh, the other one's going to stay on the team. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see because uh, Boston really seems to want Jaleel. Um, but it's, it's, it sounds like this Atlanta Hawks 76 uh, Sixers trade is getting intense.
0: Well, let me say, the Celtics are getting a great deal because whoever they get a three this year, in my opinion, won't be nearly as good as, as Jalil Okafor. I don't know how good Jalil is gonna be in the future. But for that, those numbers as a rookie, even if he kept those numbers, those are better than a lot of number three overall picks numbers end up being. So and I I just think he'll get better also. And they, that's what they need right now. They need a big man. Now, obviously we talked about them getting Blake and being championship contender. But if they get Jalil, it could be another piece and Jalil, or Jalil plus one or two seasons away from, you know, I think that could work out too, especially if he develops, but yeah, I mean, if they got, I don't see them getting rid of Ja and Noel also, so it's, you know, this is really interesting, I mean, if they get rid of Noel, that probably means they're going to keep Ja, if they get rid of both, I mean, I don't know what the plan is with that. And I don't know who they're gonna yeah. get a three. I mean, you can't just keep trading players for more picks. At some point, you got to keep the picks and develop those players. I mean, I, you have a really good player in Jalil. Orleans is excellent. You know, defensively in the future, like you've said before. I mean, he, there's a huge upside defensively there. He could be one of the best big man defensive players, like you said before. So, you know, for me, I, I mean, like, he.
1: Go ahead. He has the same potential to be DeAndre. Yeah, I mean, if, if you watch some of the games, Ish Smith's fashion to the New Orleans OL is just kind of a poor man's version of Chris Paul as DeAndre.
0: Right. Yeah, and but- I mean, DeAndre, you know, by himself is pretty useless, but he is—he is, he is a—he's a—you know—he's a really good piece to have, and guys like that, they they changed what the other team can do because it's you can't really drive down inside when they have somebody under there. And really, I mean, the thing that I just dream about, because a lot of people talk about Embiid's offense, but, I mean, he could block some shots too. So to have both those guys down low playing together, blocking shots, that would just be something else.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, and then Adam Ben-Simmons, I mean, you, you've seen his capabilities on the defensive end also, and his ability to move... And if he is going to play the four, uh, he, he can pu- he can cover the faster fours and he can also cover the bigger fours. So that, it's another piece on the defensive end that you can look forward to watching.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's tough. I, I know I'm against the Jalil for the number three and just the number three. Uh, it depends if they get more back, then maybe I'll change my mind. The Nerland stuff, obviously, it depends on who's who's in that, but it's going to be. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see what they do. I'm going to go ahead uh, out on a limb and say they're not going to make a trade until after the NBA Finals because I think they want to be closer to the actual draft and work some more of these players out to make sure. Because if, if they're going to trade Jalil for the number three pick, they got to also work out guys that they want to make sure they're going to get at three that they feel comfortable trading for. You know what I mean? So
1: I, just, I would assume that if they do trade to three, the pick's going to be... Uh, I would assume it would be Chris Dunn
0: to play point man. guard.
1: Yeah, play point guard. Okay. That I mean, I guess their other options would be. I can't see them taking Bender. That wouldn't make any sense. Tr- drafting a big man if you just traded one away for the pick, right? Um, but I guess Murray and Heald would also be the other two options for them.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see them get Heald, but that's just my you know my preference with him. But you know, Dunn was really good in college also, so I mean there's some options there. I just don't think we are gonna get back, like I said, is is worth Jalil, but maybe I'm wrong about Jalil, maybe this is all he is. Or maybe maybe I'm wrong about Chris Dunn or, or Buddy. Maybe those guys will be a lot better in the long run. So like I said, the thing that bothers me and the thing that I get nervous about is that the guy who orchestrated this whole thing is now gone. So I think we're one or two bad trades away from ruining what looks to be a very promising future, and you know we're right right now is the transitioning period. I mean, I think we're right on the way. Next season could be a season where we win close to 30 games, and I thought that was going to happen this year. Um, but wouldn't you agree? I mean, next year it's got to be a season where we win at least 25 or maybe close to 30 games, right?
1: Yes, I mean, still there's a there's a lot to go in this off season. Uh, I would imagine you, you can't lose. You can't lose more than that, or not have 25 wins if you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on your team. I know they're both young; they'd both be rookies, but they're just so talented. Uh, you do need to bring some veteran guys in, and they got tons of cap space for that.
0: Yeah, that's the nice thing is that they should be able to bring some vets in, um, and they might, you know, might even be able to bring some decent guys in on one or two three-year deals to just kind of, you know, make the team. You know, win a, a few more games to try to keep some spirits up on these younger guys. Because I know they're young and they realize that the team is not any good, but I don't know how many seasons you can take, you know, like last year. And I mean, it was only Jalil's first, but Noel's has a couple like that now. And, you know, he would be going to a third year like that. I just don't want these guys' spirits to get broken. Um, it'd be nice to just, you know, we don't have to do anything crazy, but it'd be nice to just win some games. That's all. I mean, obviously the focus has to be on. You know, making these guys better, and they got to play a majority of the minutes, um, even if it means losing.
1: But you know, you well. I mean, if if you're a veteran guard too, you got to think that they would think about coming to Philadelphia. If, if you're kind of like a mid-level guy that wants some playing time, I mean, <laughs> where are you going to get more playing time than Philadelphia next year if you're a guard?
0: Yeah, and and um, you know, they might overpay you a little bit just because you know, especially if it's only on a short-term basis, just because they have the cap space. And if that's something the Sixers want to do, you know, they might give a guy a, a few, you know, a little, t- not a lot more, but, you know, just a little bit more money just so they can secure somebody that normally wouldn't come. Yeah, if, if, if uh, you know, some players, everyone wants something different. Some guys like David West, they want to take a pay cut to try to win a championship. Other guys, they care about getting numbers and we're just getting playing time, like you said. And so some of those guys might come over. But yeah, I mean, obviously for people that aren't Sixers fans, it's not that interesting. But I mean, it's I I could honestly see the Sixers going like having more transactions than any other team in the offseason.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, they have three first round picks right now. They're already shopping two uh, big guys. So I, I would I would say they're definitely going to be very active. Um, I mean, oh, there's going to be a couple of teams active because there's four teams that have three first round picks. So teams like the Sun, team like the Celtics, and the Nuggets. Uh, could also be making a lot of trades this off season.
0: yeah I mean the off season's always fun don't get me wrong um, you know when LeBron's a free agent it's cool um, but this one I think is could be one of and it's, it might have something to do with the fact that I'm a Sixers fan and it's exciting time for the Sixers but this one might be has a chance to be one of the biggest ones um, especially if like Durant leaves and I think there's just some guys that could get traded you know we, we've we've talked about the Clippers and the Celtics are really active and you got Boogie Cousins you know is he gonna stay is he gonna go the Lakers are they gonna make a splash you know that kind of thing I mean Dwight Howard the drum with him that's just you know that's not exciting that's just annoying but it's you know something and like you said yeah I mean a lot of these teams have a lot of draft picks and it's probably likely that they're gonna move some of them so you know, even draft day could be pretty fun. There might be some, you know, decent players and picks and stuff moving around on draft day as well. So I think this is going to be, I mean, we've honestly, I mean, I think for this NBA season, we've talked about the offseason a lot, even during the regular season, um, just speculating about what's going to happen with a lot of players. I, you know, it's just the rumor mill has been really active and nothing's crazy has happened yet. But I, I really see this as an offseason where there's a lot of headline uh, trades and, and stuff like that.
1: And we're just about two and a half weeks from the draft, so mm-hmm. uh, NBA Finals will be over soon. Uh, hopefully not that soon. It'll be exciting to see a Game 7. Uh, but then the draft's right around the corner for this, for Sixers fans. Looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and and this NBA Finals, I, I think, has the potential to be an all-time classic. Um, you know, I think it takes LeBron going off a couple times, Steph making some ridiculous classic shots um Iguodala with defensive plays I mean we just there's a lot of really good players in this series a lot of talent on the floor both these teams are super deep in their benches um you know I'd like to see some chippiness too I like the first game I mean you know not the punch and all that stuff but it's nice when the guys are getting a little chippy and it's within reason um it just makes guys play harder and it's just more interesting and I, I, like I said, you know, you know, like you said earlier, close games and hopefully a long series. I think there's the potential for that. We both said six, but I know we're both hoping for seven, um, and just a classic. That's what I'm hoping for. It has the potential, so let's just hope that when we're talking about this, when we have our next podcast, that we're we're looking back on one of the greatest series of all time.
1: And and if it's gonna be that, then. <laughs> You know LeBron's going to have a great, great series. Whether they win or lose, if if it goes long, it's because of LeBron.
0: Yeah, let's not let's not forget. Even if he loses the series, this is one of the greatest teams of all time, seventy three win team. Um, and, and LeBron does have a lot of help, but let's be honest, this team's not nearly as good. And I thought it was kind of funny that the one person who's come out and defended LeBron already um, is Cherry West. Uh, let's not forget Jerry West is 1-8 in the finals so he of course he's quick to defend LeBron but you know I just hate that he gets such a bad rap you know for his NBA finals record but I think if he wins this this would be one of the greatest feats a player has ever had in NBA history because I think that the Warriors are a lot better than the Cavaliers
1: yeah and and I'll, I'm going to hope he can have a great series just so he can see seven games like you said yeah
0: all right, well, that was our recap of, of the the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, little Sixers talk. Uh, hopefully we didn't bore all of you who aren't exactly Sixers fans, but, I mean, it's good basketball talk also. And we did a little finals preview. Kev's got the Cavs in six. I have the Warriors in six. And what we'll do, hopefully, like Kev said, it will be a while till we we do another podcast because it will be a long series, hopefully. Uh, But until then, this has been the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, was Kevin McLernan. And thanks for listening.